0: If you would please join me in the prayer for illumination. Lord, open, open our hearts, hearts and minds. minds by the power of your Holy Spirit, Spirit that, that as, as the, the scriptures, scriptures are read and, and your word is proclaimed, we, we may hear, hear with joy what you say to us today. today. Amen. Today's scripture reading is Isaiah 2, verses 1 through 5. The word that Isaiah son of Amos saw concerning Judah and Jerusalem. In the days to come, the mountain of the Lord's house shall be established as the highest of the mountains, and shall be raised above the hills. All the nations shall stream to it. Many peoples shall come and say, Come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob that he may teach us in his ways, and that we may walk in his paths. For out of Zion shall go forth instruction, and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. He shall judge between the nations, and shall arbitrate for many peoples. They shall beat their swords into plowshares, and their spears into pruning hooks. Nations shall not lift up sword against nation, neither shall they learn war any more. O house of Jacob, Come, let us walk in the light of the Lord. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. God. Thank you. Jesus
1: came that the world would be different. Jesus came that the impossible would be made possible. Jesus came that there could be peace within us which would lead to peace on this earth. Why does peace seem so impossible? Where is our peace during this holy season of peace? Do any of you watch Hallmark movies, Hallmark Christmas movies? Yeah? Yeah? You know, it's, it's always a picture-perfect little town. And it's the most charming place you've ever seen. It's decorated perfectly for the holidays. And there's always a bachelor, a flannel-wearing, charming guy, who has somehow, though he is the perfect man, reached the ripe old age of 37 without being snagged by some woman. And there's usually a young lady who shows up Maybe she's from out of town, probably the city, because according to the Hallmark Channel, nothing good comes from the city. The young lady shows up at Christmas time, and there he is the perfect, yet somehow still single man. He pursues, she resists. Such a charming love story, but it can't be. They're too different. And then there's usually some sort of Hallmark emergency. You know, like her mother, who's famous for making the town's favorite Christmas cookies, falls and breaks her ankle, and who could possibly step in and wear her apron strings and bake the cookies, and Christmas will be lost? Oh, the horror. How can the perfect town celebrate the perfect Christmas without perfect and then and then they remember that the the perfect bachelor is also a pastry chef who would have thunk and he can teach the single city girl how to bake and she can make the cookies and save Christmas and all is well on the Hallmark Channel I know by this point in the movie Please excuse me if you're a Hallmark Christmas movie junkie. Please uh, pardon me, but by this time, I cannot handle this movie anymore. I've been charmed out. These are your problems, Hallmark. This is your crisis. These are your Christmas crises. Give me a break. I'm so angry at myself for wasting two hours, two hours of my life that I will not get back. Two hours on phony, cookie problems and the perfectly matched flannel-wearing people who come to save the day. But within a week or so, I will have forgotten my frustration and the charm will draw me in. And I will turn to another Hallmark Christmas movie because in reality for two hours I can forget the real problems of this world that no flannel-wearing bachelor can fix. I can forget that this season of peace often brings more trouble than tranquility. I can forget that the frustration I feel as we slip more and more into commercialization and further and further from the Prince of Peace, my Jesus. I can forget that there's real trouble in this world, real grief, real pain, real crises that can't be fixed by a handsome, pastry chef, and a sassy single city girl. The trouble of this world didn't require a chef. It required a savior, and it still does. He is still required every day. Today we hear from the prophet Isaiah, the great prophet who spoke of visions of God's peace and justice in the world, and who's probably really annoyed with me right now that I've taken his holy prophetic words and and intertwine them with a hallmark story. Today in our reading, Isaiah calls us to the mountain of the Lord, to the peaks of peace. And Isaiah speaks of a peace that seems to us to be unattainable and untenable. This time, this place when nations would no longer fight against nation, when people would learn the ways of God and more importantly would go and walk in the ways of God. Where people would so believe in living out the peace of God that they would beat their swords into plowshares. I never understood what that meant as an early Bible reader. But to beat your swords into plowshares means that you would take your weapons of destruction and exchange them for peacekeeping measures. Actively living for peace. No more war. Only justice for all. No more anger. Only peace. Sounds like nirvana, doesn't it? And you may say, Pastor, there's no way. There's no way. Who would fight the wars of the world? Who would fight injustice and oppression and evil in whatever form it may exist? This Pollyanna version of life, pastor, cannot be. Someone has to judge the wrongdoings. And I say, go back to the word and see the work of peace. Come, let us go to the mountain of the Lord, where he will teach us his ways. We will go to worship God and to learn of his ways that we may walk in his paths God's law will rule the land and and right tucked right in the middle of our reading today in verse four, it says he will judge. He will judge between the nations. He will settle disputes for many people. You see, see right there, tucked in the middle of this holy word is the key to our peace. The key to our nirvana and it's not Pollyanna-ish a lot of work. To walk in the way of the Lord, to trust in God's righteous judgment and penalty, to not feel the overwhelming need to fight all of these fights for ourselves, to choose to beat our swords into plowshares, our weapons into peace, to choose peace and to trust in God to settle any score we feel we need to settle. That is not Pollyanna peace. That is hard-earned peace. To choose peace in the midst of pain and heartache. To choose hope in the midst of chaos. I say there is nothing more difficult. You see, it's easy to choose peace in the midst of peace but to choose peace in the midst of war, to lay aside our weapons of harm and to choose to let God be the true judge, to set aside our right to act as judge and often jury, and to rest in the peace that God has said that God will settle our disputes for us, that is hard-earned peace. That is a peace that requires much work and much sacrifice because it feels good to look into the face of your accuser, your enemy, your opposition, and to plot your response. It feels justified, necessary even, but it never feels peaceful. I've heard people in the past Say that they believe that to surrender is cowardly. That it's absurd to think that we can live in a world where you can set down your weapons and have peace. No, this world tells us that the strongest, the one who has the most weapons, the one who can win the argument, win the fight, win the battle, and certainly win the war, they are the peacekeepers. They are the holders of peace. They are the keepers of peace. But I say, I believe the words of the prophet Isaiah, that the one who lays down their weapons, their words of war and conflict, is ultimately so much stronger than the one who wields the sword. The person who works for choosing peace in the midst of chaos and trust that God is with them and that if God is with them, then who can truly be against them? The one who believes in the promises of our scriptures that say that God is a righteous and a just God who sees all and will bring all things into the light. The ones who choose hope in the midst of the daily battle. And who not only choose hope, but they choose to allow God to transform them. They hold the key to peace. Notice this scripture that challenges us doesn't just call us to set down our weapons. It doesn't say just set down your swords and fight no more. No, the scripture calls us to complete transformation. The word says that we will choose to beat our swords into plowshares. We will turn from war and embrace peace and go forward to make peace, to be agents of peace, to be the presence of peace. That is the peace of God, the hard won peace of God. But it's possible Because Jesus promised us when he said, I leave you peace, my peace I give you. I don't give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Do not be afraid. The spirit of God lives within you. Sometimes we do a weird thing when we think of the spirit of God. We think of this airy, you know, wisdom, speaking. And that's all true. The Spirit prompts us in that way, but the Spirit of God is also a warrior spirit who allowed Jesus to return again. That spirit, that warrior spirit, resides within you. That spirit can bring you peace in the midst of it all. Peace is possible. I don't know what war looks like for you. Maybe there's a war at home. A relationship that is anything but peaceful. Maybe there is conflict within your very self, in your memories, in your mind. Maybe you are living in the shadow of trauma. Maybe you are living there actively. Maybe you are fighting a war of overwhelm, of anxiety, of constant worry. Maybe you're struggling with your health and you feel as if you're fighting for your very life. I know that most folks, on most days, find themselves in the midst of some sort of conflict or chaos. It can be big or small, it doesn't matter. You know, there's no anxiety on the Hallmark Channel, no real anxiety, because you know at the end of the story that all will be well, that there will be peace, and there will be Christmas. There will be all that is needed. Well, friends, I've read the end of our story, I know the end of the story. It's not a a flannel-wearing bachelor who comes to save the day. It's a God who loves us and just wants us to love ourselves. It's a God who fights for us. It's a God who sees our worth. And who chose to leave all that is glorious to come and walk this dirt. And who looked at the cross and saw your worth. And he chose to go there. And even if it had only been your name on his mind, he would have gone. I know the end of our story so we can learn from the wise words of the prophet Isaiah. We can hear the promise that if we come before God, if we learn the ways of God, if we leave to go and practice these ways, if we trust God to handle our enemies, and if we focus on allowing God to transform us, then we don't need to be afraid. The story has been written. The peace of Christ is ours. And all God's people said, amen.